from heaven. It, uh, <laughs> it's one of those questions that every human being asks at some point in their, their life. And it actually starts at a very young age. Boys and girls ask this question. And it's this one right here. Am I doing it right? And it, it doesn't matter, at least I've found, that it doesn't matter what category of life you're, you're trying to live or do or accomplish. We all have this question of, am I doing it right? Because it's hard to know. Because what we do is we compare ourselves to other people. While they look, I mean, they're a natural, just look at them. Just look at them go, they're doing it, right? And, and then we compare ourselves and go, well, yeah, it seems a little clunky on my end of things. And again, this works in any and every category of life. Do you remember the first time you were riding a bike? Well, that one doesn't really work because you know if you're doing it right or not, right? You either fall on the ground or, or you don't. But how about this one when you're learning to drive? Am, am I doing it right? I mean, yeah, but it doesn't always feel natural. Those of you who are married, you're like, am I doing it right? Like, I think so, but I don't, I don't really know for certain if I'm doing it right because, because no one really tells you. Again, you know, you know when you're doing it wrong, but, but, but am I doing it the right way? Like, certainly I can get better, but the right way, am I doing it the right way? Way And it's very, very hard to know. And this starts at a very, very young age. And I'm convinced we just continue to ask this question as we get older and older and older. Again, how are we supposed to know if nobody tells us? For me, it was in high school and it was the first time I was going snowboarding and I was going with our youth, our youth group. It was one of those like, we're going to the mountains, we're going snowboarding. And so I, I love the mountains, I love snow, never been snowboarding, watched other people do it. And I went, whoa, like I want to do that. Now, if you've ever gone, real quick, how many of you, you, you snowboard? So I was told about the third or fourth time you go, you actually have fun. And that's true. The learning curve is pretty big. It's pretty big. But uh, I get there and we spend the night. We wake up super early. I mean, Jesus is still sleeping, but we're awake. We're about ready to go snowboarding. And you put on all the gear. You've got the boots, the straps, the bindings, and the buckles, and the, the loops, and the doodads. I mean, there's so much gear. And you're putting it on. And I'm looking around at my buddies going like, okay, like they're doing that. Okay, I'm going to do this. And so you put on all this gear and you feel like that kid from the Christmas movie. Like, I can't move my arms. Like, you're, you've got the spacesuit on. We go to the mountains, I rent the snowboard, throw that baby down on the ground. Now, I am what they call um, regular, not goofy-footed. I'm regular-footed. So my left foot goes in the front, right foot goes in the back. So I strap in the front foot, which is my left one. And if you've ever walked with a snowboard, you know you can't actually do it. You just kind of, you do this thing. And here's the deal. I'm doing this thing, but I notice I have my foot behind the board and some guys have their foot in front of the board. And I go, oh no, am I doing it right? Because I'm trying to figure out what's the right way. Can you do it both ways? I don't even know. I'm just trying to figure it out. So we get in line and the whole time we're in line, my friends, Remember, my brothers and sisters in Christ in youth group who would never steer me wrong, they say, Steve, the hardest part about snowboarding is getting on and off the chairlift. If you can do that, you're good to go. It'll be a breeze. So I've got all this anxiety like built up inside of me of like, okay, here we go. So you just kind of like, you know, you do the weird walk thing and you're there and you wait for the chairlift and like, bam, it just smacks you. And so you plop down on it and it's right here. And in unison, I didn't know this, but in unison, everybody on the chairlift that has their left foot, their front foot strapped in, immediately they whip their snowboard around and they go like this. And they support the weight on both feet so you don't wear out your left foot. Some of you are like, I had no idea. That was me. I had no idea. They didn't tell me that. So I'm sitting there looking like a fool with my board dangling. So finally I whipped that thing around and I got both feet out and I'm just chilling. 
So far, so good. I didn't fall. I made it. I thought, well, this isn't too bad. I feel dumb, but it's not too bad. And then, and then when you get to the top, um, well, you have this. And I don't know if you can see this right here. I tried to find a picture where you could see this white, white line. Do you know what that is? That's a hill. They bring you up on a chairlift and you go down a hill for your very first time. It's terrifying. And again, I'm remembering, okay, on and off the chairlift, most difficult part. If you can do this, you can go down a hill. By the way, they tell you about the chairlift and how to do it and how not to do it and how to not fall down the mountain. That's important. What's more important is knowing what chairlift you're on and where that one's going. My brothers and sisters in Christ who would steer me, well, who would do me no wrong, did me wrong. We went to the tip top. Yes, of the mountain, not the bunny slopes, of the mountain. Because they had all snowboarded before. They knew what they were doing. I'm trying to figure out, am I doing it right? So remember, like I said, they had the front foot strapped in and then they went like this with their left foot and they straddled the board between two legs. Immediately, I didn't get the memo, didn't get the email or anything. Immediately, they all in unison go, whoop. And now they're ready to go. They're looking down the mountain. I missed it. I'm still straddling it. So we get to this little lip right here and I do something. Thank you, Jesus. I do one of these numbers and my foot that's strapped in is in the back and the loose, the free foot is in the front. I'm going down the whole thing backwards. Everyone else, look it, look it. Front foot strapped in, front foot strapped in, free, free. I did the exact opposite. Now, proof there is a God. I didn't fall. Hardest part, about, hardest part of snowboarding is going um, on and off the chairlift, and I, I aced it. My first time. Second time, boom, right on my face. But I'm sitting there going, am I doing it right? Because I'm going down backwards, and they're going down the right way, and everything feels fine, and I feel awkward, and I'm uncomfortable, I'm looking around. And if you'll allow me to do a very hard pivot into today's topic, I think we feel the same way about prayer. We get on it with other people, we're doing the thing, and they just, it's not that we're falling off the chairlift of prayer, we, we're going down it backwards. It just feels unnatural. And we go back to that very important question, am I doing it right? And how do we know if no one tells us? Because we, we don't really talk about prayer. You just kind of stumble into it like I did with snowboarding. In fact, to, to prove my point, did you know that there are unwritten and unspoken rules about prayer? Did you know this? Of course you didn't, because no one talks about it and they're not written down. I'll show you exactly what I mean. This question of, am I doing it right? You have to know what you're actually supposed to do and you have to know what the rules are. There are three categories, three categories of unspoken and unwritten rules. I'll walk you through them. This is really important when it comes to prayer. The first one, the first category on prayer is posture. Everyone say posture. Posture matters, right? Everyone knows you have to close your eyes, you have to bow your heads, and you have to fold your hands. I don't want you looking like a fool when you're sitting there praying and you've got your eyes closed and you bow your head, but your hands are open like this. That's against the rules. You have to go like this because someone said so a long time ago when you were a kid. But posture matters. Here's the second category. You ready for this? Attitude and tone. You must be serious. There's no joy, happiness, or laughter, or smiling when it comes to prayer. You must use words that you never use. You only use them, you know, when you're praying. So if you can fit in a couple thee, thy, thous, and those, and Heavenly Father, we beseech thee this day for you art, and fill in the blank. If you can do that, you get bonus points. No one has a clue what you're talking about. You probably don't know what you're talking about, but God is very pleased, and you get bonus points with this. And then again, circling back, you must be formal, which everyone knows is eyes closed, head bowed, hands folded. 
These are very important. These are unwritten rules because everyone knows you have to do it this way, which leaves a whole bunch of questions. And here's the third category, common questions. Three of these are no, and one of these is a yes. Are you ready? This is gonna be very helpful because you've been wondering this your whole life. Can we laugh or smile? No. No joy or happiness and pray. It's very serious, very formal. Is it okay if my thoughts wander? Absolutely not. God is disgusted by that. Can I tell God that I don't feel like praying? No, you have to fake it till you make it. And here's the last one. This is a very important question. If someone prays for something that I don't like, can I block their prayer with my own prayer? Yes, you can. Because listen, God's going to block it anyways because it's a dumb prayer. You may as well get all the glory instead of him, right? Okay, if you're not tracking with me, like I'm totally joking. So please don't send me emails. The, the problem is this. We have all these questions and we watch people do it and we're like, Are, is that the right way? Should I be doing it? Should I not? How, why do they do this and someone else does it that? Is it okay? I don't really know. Ah, like what, what do we do? And again, we just feel like we're going down the mountain backwards on a snowboard. It's just, you're, you're not falling all over the place, but you're just, man, it's awkward, isn't it? It's just uncomfortable. And in fact, um, we even say things, we even go on autopilot. It, it even gets worse. You ever stop to wonder and ask when we pray, why do we always start with dear God? Like, are we writing a letter? Or is that one of those things you say, dear Lord, and God goes, oh yes, me, you're talking? Okay, now I'll listen. And then amen, why do we close with amen? Does that let God know, okay, the phone call's done, we've hung up so he can go about his business? Like, why do we do these things? By the way, any idea what amen means? It means so be it, let it be so, absolutely. Uh, here's a question, is it amen or amen? Depends on how spiritual you are. <laughs> and the generation you were raised in. Now, here's the deal. In all honesty, we're not the only ones that have struggled with this. The disciples who walked and talked and lived with Jesus, they said, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? Because it can be such this, this abstract thing and we're trying to get our a hand on it and make it concrete and it can feel awkward. It can feel unnatural. Again, leading us back to that big question of, am I doing this thing right? And I simply want to say, you're probably doing better than you think you are. Also, for some of us, um, we're probably not as good as we think we are either. <laughs> we're probably somewhere in the middle there. And so what I want to do with our time is I want to walk us through a very um, famous passage of scripture. It's called the Lord's Prayer. And interestingly enough, Jesus talks about um, how to pray, or he talks about what we should do when we pray, and then he talks about how to pray. And he gives us a framework. And we'll, we'll unpack both of these things because I think they're very important. So if you would, in your Bibles, flip to Matthew chapter six, first book in your, your New Testament, Matthew chapter six, and, and we'll start in verse five. Now, as you're flipping there or, or searching on your phone, I wanna give us a working definition of what prayer is, because I think this is very helpful. Prayer is simply, prayer is talking with God about what we are doing together. That, that's all prayer is. We're, we're talking with God about what we're doing together. Remember last week we, we talked about, and the big idea was simply that God is here now. We don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to do anything. He is here now. And if we acknowledge that, we stay connected to him. There's a lot of things that he wants to show us. And he carries the burden of life. And so prayer, what is prayer? It's, it's simply talking to God about what we're doing together. That's that connection piece. So keep that in the back of your mind as we walk through the Lord's prayer. Matthew 6, again, we'll pick it up in verse 5. This is Jesus talking, and he says, and when you pray, 
Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And what was their reward? Being seen by others. They're out in public, they're out at church, the street corners, and they're, they're doing the prayer and everybody walks by and they go, whoa, I wish I could sound like that. I wish I knew those words. I wish I had a connection with God like they do. What's the reward? Well, well, people have put them up on a pedestal and they go, that's a prayer warrior. And if they're a prayer warrior, well, there's no way that I could be a prayer warrior. And again, first century, think about this. A lot of people couldn't read or write. So they didn't even have a chance to use the words that those people were using. And Jesus calls them hypocrites because they're not trying to connect with God and talk about what they're doing together. They're putting on a show to be seen by other people. And Jesus goes, that's the reward. Notice the contrast. Verse six, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. A lot of debate and conversation about what that reward is, but man, so many scholars, many scholars will come together and say, hey, at least a fraction of what that reward is in total is the fact that God sees you and hears you and interacts with your prayers. And if that's just half of the reward, sign me up. Amen? Amen. So what I want to do is give you um, a, a couple points in your notes, and then we'll, we'll continue through in the Lord's Prayer. So the first one is this. Prayer is not a place to go to be good, like the hypocrites. It's a place to be honest. Prayer is not a place to go to be good. It is a place to be honest. Pharisees were trying to be really good. The hypocrites were trying to be really good. The rest of us, we just need to be honest because, again, we're just connecting with God and talking about what we're doing together today. Honesty looks like this. Um, God, I'm tired. God, I woke up this morning and put on my grumpy pants. God, I don't feel like praying today. God, so far today is good, but if I meet so-and-so, will you already know? God, I'm frustrated that you didn't answer my prayer from last month or the month before. What are you doing God, I'm so lonely. I've been praying the same prayers over and over and over again, and I don't see you moving. God, I'm anxious. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I don't like the life that you are leading me to and through at the moment. See, this is honesty. This is coming before God. And if you think it's disrespectful, I simply want to turn you to the book of Psalms. Read it. This guy named David who wrote a ton of them. The Bible refers to him as a man after God's own heart, and he is honest. And I think you and I, I think you and I, um, part of why we feel like we have to be good at prayer is because we're not being honest in prayer. And can I remind us, he, he, he already knows. God, I'm really frustrated because this deal didn't work out. It's going the opposite direction. He's like, <gasps> like you're frustrated. I didn't know. Well, of course he knows. So why don't we just go tell him, let's just be honest together. Keep going, verse seven. And when you pray... Do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Number two in your notes, when prayer becomes something we do instead of someone we're with, our desire for it quickly fades. 
Isn't that the truth? Have you experienced that before? I know I have. When prayer becomes something we do instead of someone we're with, our desire for it quickly fades. And here's where we get caught up. We get caught up on verse number eight. And he says, don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then we go, well, what's the point? If God already knows, why do I have to pray about it? That's because we fall into the mindset of this is something that we do instead of someone that we're with. This is a relationship. Ship. And Jesus is teaching us that you can have a relationship with God. I, I like to say it this way. Um, whenever I think of that, I, I think of my son, Nixon, and he's four. And his favorite thing to do is lay out, just sprawl out in the middle of the room. And he has toys in three sections. He's got his Legos, his monster trucks, and his dinosaurs. And the kid can just play. And one of the things I like to do, I just like to watch him go. Because what he'll do is he'll get the monster truck. It's like a little SUV, but just on steroids, right? And he'll get the Legos and he'll get the dinosaurs and he'll cram 14 Legos and 12 dinosaurs in there. And he'll shake it all around and he'll go, yeah, boom, and smash everything together. And he's breaking all the toys and getting things stuck in there. And I'm just smiling because inevitably I know what's going to happen. They're going to get so crammed in there. It's going to get so busted, so screwed up, so messed up that he's going to get a little watery in the eyes, like his allergies are kicking in and then he does the lip quiver thing and he turns around to dad and he goes can you fix it I'm standing here going Nixon I watched you do it I know exactly what's going on and of course I can it's a stupid toy because dad I broke it can you fix it and I just think this is the whole point of what Jesus is trying to make your heavenly father is watching you the whole time he knows exactly what you've done how you've broken the toys that he's provided for you he knows that he can fix it he knows how he's going to fix it he knows what toys he wants to give you next he just simply likes it when you turn around and go help I broke it It's relationship. See, this is not something that we do, a box that we check. This is honesty before God. This is conversation before God. This is relationship with God. And he's smiling from ear to ear as he watches his sons and his daughters play with toys and make a mess out of life. Can I go one step further? God only has one son. It's Jesus. Now, for you and I, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, his work on the cross, we are adopted into his family we get to call him father. What father looks at their children playing with the toys that he has given them and smiling going, I just, I just love you. You bring me great joy. Even when you're playing with toys and you're screwing them up because I know how to fix it and I can go and provide you with more. This is not something that we do. This is someone that we are with. Number three, the last thing, and then we'll jump into the Lord's Prayer. Frameworks are helpful tools for prayer, not rules for prayer. Frameworks are helpful tools for prayer, not rules for prayer. Here's why I say this before we get into the Lord's Prayer. Um, These are are tools, they are not rules. Some of us, we can get so legalistic that we can get trapped in these things. Jesus, I'll have you know, taught the disciples, this is how you should pray. I also want you to know that he didn't stick to the framework every single time. He had elements of it. So I I want to throw that out there in the sense of like, this is a helpful tool. Use this and it's okay if you deviate from time to time. Also, on the other side of the coin, if Jesus is teaching us how to pray, we should probably listen, right? So just, you know, you you got a lot of freedom here, but this is incredibly helpful because this is a real need. The disciples asked for it. 
if we're honest with one another in church, we're asking for it. This is an area where we can all grow. And so with that being said, let's jump in. We're going to read through it. And along the way, I'm going to give you the framework on the side, and then we'll make sense of it at the very, very end. So here we go. Verse nine, this is in fact the Lord's prayer. You've heard of this. This then is how you should pray. He says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This very first section of the Lord's prayer is all about praising God. This, I think, is like the, the, the easiest part to comprehend. We don't always do it. I think we rush through it to get to some of the other stuff we'll discover later on. But the idea is you start at the very beginning and you praise God. Hallowed be your name. It's this idea that your name is holy. It's set apart. It's distinct. It is the name above all other names. There is something different about the name of Jesus Christ, of God the Father, and our name. We should acknowledge that because that is very, very true. And notice the opening line. It says, our Father... Not my father, not your father, but our, this is communal. He's talking to the disciples. He says, when you're praying, you guys, we are praying this together. And our father, not our cosmic distant being with a grumpy beard who's angry and disappointed at you. Father, there's an intimacy built into the prayer. He's not disappointed. He's not angry. He's not mad. He's your father. And he wants relationship with each and every one of us. We keep praying. Verse 10, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the idea that we partner with God for today. We're asking God that everything that's happening up there, that we would pray and it would be a reality down here on earth. I grew up praying the exact opposite. God, would you get me off this rotten piece of earth and get me up there where all the good stuff is? And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. You need to pray, Steve, that God's will, everything that's happening on heaven, that what's happening up there would come down here, that you and I would experience heaven here on earth, which by the way, if you read to the very end of your Bible, in the book of Revelation, it is the new heaven, the new earth. We're supposed to be praying for this, which means, which means if God has a kingdom and he is our king and I am his servant, there's a partnership in there, the king is going to tell me to live a certain way. And I get to partner with the king of kings and lord of lords to go live that out. So when we pray, we praise God for who he is, what he has done. And then we say, would you help me understand what we are doing together today? Because I want to be about your will, not my will. And here's my favorite part. Verse 11. This is great. I love this. Give us today our daily bread. This is the list your needs. And aren't you excited that Jesus says it's okay to pray about that? Do you know why he says it's okay to pray about that? Because he wants to know what they are. Because he wants to provide for us. Listen, you have a God who says you need to call me father and I need to know what you need. So I can, so I can um, apply it to your, apply it? That's not the right word. So I can fulfill it. So I can bring that into reality. If you need this, I can go and get it done for you. That's how much I care for you. And I love this. He'll discern what is a need and what is a want, by the way, right? We, we know this to be true. This is very important. But we are to come before him and give him the list. What's the list? Christmas is coming. We all have a list, don't we? Jesus says, when you pray every day, give him the list. It's good. And that means that we can trust God for today. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. It's got enough problems of its own. But today, Lord, here's what I need today. And over the track record of your life, you will look back in the rearview mirror and you will see God's faithfulness yesterday. Come on. Come on. But that's the point. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Ask 
today. Meaning that God wants me to trust him every day of my life. There isn't a day that goes by where I don't trust him. He wants me to trust him today. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. This is confess to God and forgive others. That's what we do when we pray. We confess to God and we forgive other people. And for Jesus, this was hand in hand. This isn't one or the other. This wasn't confess your sin to God and still be grumpy and angry at that person who did you wrong. He says, no, 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 no. In, in other words, forgiven people, forgive people. When we confess and God has forgiven us, it's like go and do likewise. These are the same. Forgiveness is a massively important deal to Jesus. And I'll explain at the very, very end. Keep going. Verse 13. And he says this. He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So very simply, we need to ask for deliverance from temptations because we all have them, don't we? Oh, super quiet. Just Kurt and I. We all have temptations, don't we? Here's what I think is fascinating, and it, 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 we have to get rid of it. What I think is fascinating is that in order to be a Christian, you are admitting that you have been tempted and you have acted on those temptations, which has led you to sin. You are in need of a savior. His name is Jesus Christ. And we go, yes, thank you, Jesus, for saving our sins. And we're like, hey, what are you tempted with? And you're like, nothing. <laughs> like, didn't you struggle with things? Well, I used to struggle with them. Come on. We've all been tempted. We've all sinned. That, that's what makes us sinners. And part of Jesus, when he says, here's the things I want you to pray for, I want you to pray for deliverance from that because I, I want to help you. I'm going to, cheat, te I'm going to teach you to be the type of person that no longer desires those things, meaning it's not a temptation anymore. That's a road, that's a journey, and he'll carry that burden, but that's the idea. Here's what's fascinating in the church. Those of us who are Christians, we raise our hand and go, yes, been forgiven by Jesus. We're like, cool, can I pray for you about your temptations? And you're like, mm-mm. Got none. I mean, we don't say that, but like we pretend that. You're not with me. I'm going to give us a list. This is where it gets real awkward and you're bracing for something. You're like, what's he going to have us do? Hang tight. It's coming. <laughs> Here's a list of common temptations. Maybe you're familiar with one or more. Like I am. Lust. <laughs> Rage. Greed, dishonesty, gossip, hateful speech, gluttony, selfishness, taking advantage of someone or something else. Anyone relate? I'll read it one more time. Just so we're clear. Lust, rage, greed, dishonesty, gossip, hateful speech, gluttony, selfishness, or taking advantage of someone or something. Here's what I'm gonna ask us to do. If you're a Christian and you are able... I would like you to stand up if you have been tempted in one of the things that I read this past week. Go ahead and stand up if you're able. Look around. Don't look at me. You're looking at me. Look around. You're in good company. Hear me out for a second. We need to get rid of this hierarchy of sin where one sin is worse than the other. Consequences are different, absolutely. But this idea that one is worse or better as if God is more pleased when we do this sin than that one over there. I'm telling you, we need to reframe. So we're in this building. It, 
It would be like this. If you, if you struggled with, uh, with lust, like you, your sin is in the back corner. We, we just sin in different areas, right? So lust is gonna be in the back corner. Pride's gonna be over here. Uh, gluttony is gonna be right here in the middle. And we just go in different areas. And what's fascinating is we can look at one another and go, we are still in the same room of sin. We're sinning in different areas. And can we be honest? We belong in more than one location, don't we? And so what that does, what that does is it allows us to pray for one another in different ways. You see what we just did right here. Look around real quick. Look around. I'm almost done. And you can sit in one second. Look around. Don't look at me. Look around. (laughs) There's a method to the madness. Listen, what we have just done, we have completely leveled the playing field. Do you get that? We have completely leveled the playing field, which means we can come together and I I, I can say, man, I struggle with lust. Will you pray for me? Because I'm tempted. And you can go, you know what? I have been so furious the last handful of months. I'm just angry constantly and I'm lashing out at people. Will you pray for me? Some of us can go, man, I'm so discouraged and so overwhelmed that I find comfort in just accumulating stuff. It could be food. It could be material possessions. You should see my Amazon wish list. Like, We can pray about those things and we don't have to judge each other because we're sitting here going, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we need Jesus. Isn't that great that he came for all of us? That's where you say amen. 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 Okay, last time, last time, this is very important. Last time, turn around and look at each other. We have leveled the playing field. You are in good company. Before you sit down, turn around and say hi to a dirty, rotten sinner in need of Jesus. And listen, listen, I, I say that not, not to make light of sin, but, but to elevate how, how gracious and loving our father is. This is a big deal. And Satan would love, he just laughs when we get together and we pretend like our life is perfect. We don't struggle with anything. Jesus knows we struggle. That's why he said, ask for deliverance from the temptation. Can we just be honest with each other at church and just say, hey, you know what? I, this is a struggle for me. But what we do instead is we go, like we're shocked. Did you hear what Johnny did? Johnny struggled with lust. I know, I can't believe it. And I just want to be the guy to go, really? You can't believe it? A human being struggled with something? Like I, whoa, blown away. Didn't see that coming. I mean, isn't that ridiculous? So we have to get to the point where we can come together and say, I'm just, I'm struggling here. Will you pray for me? And I know why we don't. And I want to be super gracious. I know why we don't. Because it's a trust issue. Because we've done this in the past. And someone has betrayed that confidence. I shared something in secret. So-and-so told so-and-so who told so-and-so. And now everybody knows. So I have learned not to trust people. And it keeps us from that. And so here's what Jesus has to say about all that. Verse 14. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, there it is, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. When your trust has been betrayed, it is not an excuse to no longer ask and be vulnerable and ask people to pray for you. It's an opportunity for forgiveness. And as I read this, the words of Jesus Forgiveness is a big, big deal. This is the framework. Am I doing it right? Really, the question is, are you, are you, are you praying? 
See, it's, it's not about am I doing it right. It's more about am, am, I, am, am I bringing Jesus into my daily routines? Are we doing this together? And, and I don't have to be embarrassed to be in his company because he wants me to call him Father. And not just privately. He wants us to come together and call him Father. And acknowledge that he is God and we are not. And to give him our needs and to confess our sins and to say that we're struggling with some things so that he can provide for us because that's what a loving dad does. He gets so much joy when he's up in heaven looking down at us and we're playing and we're, he's just watching it. It's like, you're doing it. My sons and daughters, they're playing with their toys and yeah, they're breaking them and they're making mistakes, but I just, I love them. I'm gonna go get them more toys. This is your heavenly father. And we go, dad, I broke it again. And he goes, I know, don't worry about it. I got plenty. Here you go. And Jesus says, we have access to that God. And we do it through prayer. So here's how I want to close up. We're going to invite the band. They're going to lead us in a song because I just, I love going out singing. And this is such a good song. But last week I gave you a homework assignment. And um, I I learned a lot by doing it. And if you missed it, I want to encourage you, go back, watch last week's sermon, and it'll lay it out. This week, another homework assignment because I just learned so much. And I hope you will too as we go through this. Here it is. You got something to pray about every single day. And we're going to use the Lord's Prayer as the framework. So on Monday, all I want you to pray about is praising God. That's it. You're like, what about my family? Don't pray for them. (laughs) You can pray for them. But but here's what I'm after. Here's what I'm after. So often we can just glance right, right by this. And when you and I are laser focused for a day, worshiping and praising God, we find new things to praise him for. Because when we go on autopilot and we just go, God, thank you for the day. Thank you for being great and loving me and life is good. But I, you know, here's this thing over here and thanks, amen. We're missing out on seeing a new thing, a new attribute of who God is. So Monday, Monday, just praise, just focus, just praise. On Tuesday, Tuesday's great. Tuesday, we're gonna pray and ask God to show us how we're going to partner together today. God has a kingdom, God has a will, and he wants us to ask what that is for today. So Tuesday, Lord, how are we partnering? How am I furthering your agenda on earth? Everything that's going on in heaven, how am I today helping that play out here on earth? Here's Wednesday. Wednesday is this, ask God to supply your needs. Wednesday is gonna be my favorite because I got a very long list of needs. (laughs) And here's what I want you to do, write it out. Pray for it. Don't skip anything. Write them all out. Here's the beauty of writing them out because a month, two months, three months down the road, maybe a year, you pull that list back out and you go, oh my goodness. Check, 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 check. And you just start seeing stuff. He wants the list. Give him the list. Okay, Thursday. Confess your sins and seek forgiveness from others. Thursday, all you're doing is you're going to be painfully aware of the things where you and I have fallen short of God, of his standard. And we're going to confess them. And we're not going to feel like dirty, rotten, shameful sinners. We're going to feel like people who know Jesus Christ. Who know what it's like to have broken the rules. And to be unconditionally loved and forgiven by God. This is not a depressing exercise. This is a joyful exercise. Because your Heavenly Father, when he looks at you, he's not disgusted. He's not disappointed. He is smiling from ear to ear because he loves you. This is us coming before God saying, here's where I have fallen short. Thank you 
for forgiving me. And we do this with our person on our left, our person on our right, our family, our friends, our coworkers. Thursday, if we allow it, is a powerful day. Friday, we ask for deliverance from temptations because we all have them, don't we? And you and I serve a God. His name is Jesus. And he wants to carry that burden. And he wants to teach us how to no longer desire those things. And you know what that leads to? Freedom. Freedom. And here's what we do on Saturday. We do the whole thing in a group with other people because it is our father who's in heaven. And we have a relationship with our father, which means we got to step out and we have to trust one another and take a risk and be vulnerable. And the beauty is when we do that, it is met with love, grace, mercy, acceptance, which I'm pretty sure is what Jesus does when we pray. So Father, help us to be the type of people that we constantly acknowledge your presence in our lives. You are here now. Lord, I pray that we, we, we stop asking the question, am I doing it right? And we start focusing on who we are with. Help us to take the framework. And I thank you for the Lord's prayer for what we have gone through. Help us to take that and apply it to our lives as we walk through life together with you. And Lord, I pray for the person in the room right now who feels distant, who feels so unworthy to even come before you in prayer. Holy Spirit, would you show them that you are unconditionally in love with them, that you have forgiven them and you have given them new life if they only reach out and accept it. Father, I pray that this is not just a simple series or one-off sermon, but this is a new life for all of us where we walk hand in hand with you. We bring you, because you're already here, we bring you into our lives and we just acknowledge that reality and we come before you and say, would you help us? We have needs, we have struggles, we have temptations. And Lord, I pray for a movement of people that are not checking boxes, but are having an intimate relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one that we call Father. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And the church said, amen. amen. So be it. Would you stand with me? We're going to close by singing one last song.